Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, the final episode of the second year of the Drunken Taoist Podcast, as we examine singing Lakota songs while scattering the ashes of Jim Weddle in the Black Hills, our hobbits' bad role models, the orgasm-counting gnome reaches his breaking point, where the hell did this child learn that mooning people is funny? Jack Churchill fights Nazis with a bow. Proudest moments, longer hugs, and a reminder to never throw away the hero in your soul. And now, asking you all to spread the word that corporations are not people, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, Daniele Bulali, the savage philosopher, the middle finger of the gods. Bury your treasure, put your kids to bed, and most importantly, hide your women. The Drunken Taoist Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 48 of the Drunken Taoist episode, wrapping up our second year of uh, tickling the airwaves with our uh, incredibly uh, entertaining uh, babble. And uh, welcome back to everybody's favorite, Daniele Bolelli. This is the second year, isn't it? It's the last episode of year two. Last episode of year two. Wow. And they tried to unleash an earthquake on me to get me, keep me from, no way. That's kind of not a big earthquake either. Well, they kind of wear them like badges, but if it was an eight or something, that would be don't tempt fate. No, no, I'm not asking for it. Tempt fate. I love you know, Mother Nature is quite impressive. Because I hear smiting in the background, otherwise, that's true for sure. Unpleasant. Now we want to deeply thank the people who keep us on the air. Uh, You guys who listen, first and foremost, you guys are awesome. Thank you, thank Thank you. you so much. Those of you guys who donate, we'll have the usual screwing up of last names at the end of the episode. And of course, our sponsors who have been super sweet to us in every possible way. We got Datsusara hemp gear, um, good for the planet, good for you. It's um, hopefully will be legal. Well, it is legal to own the product, but it will be legal to cultivate in the United States. This will make it cheaper even. So not only you'll enjoy all the goods you can get now from Datsusara, the price may drop, but that's probably in the distant future. So until then, Save up, got the goods. Some of the bags are just as good as it gets. Oh man, the second generation stuff is even thicker and stronger and cooler than ever. I I just started training again. So I started doing judo and I use my Datsusara gi. Makes me very happy, my hemp gi. Do you have your dirty bag to separate your clean from your dirty? Of course. No, I'm like sponsor from head to toe by Datsusara. It's pretty funny. (laughs) And... uh, In addition to that, if you go into my kitchen and my exercise area, Thank you, on it. Oh, yes. So on it is usual. Lots of goodies that you guys have probably heard from Joe Rogan, from a lot of other people. But whether you are into the supplements, whether you are into the special foods that they sell, well, I just started trying this um, bison jerky that they have. Oh, um, that's nice. Bison jerky, following an old Lakota recipe mixed with certain berries. Pretty good stuff, man. I can definitely dig it. No, I think there's going to be, there will be an explosion in Bison of, of all people. Ted Turner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Has a huge, he, I think he owns most of Montana. Yeah. 
But he's had Ted Montana's grills out in the south for some time, and I've always heard that they're just trying to get the, the herds up to a certain level. Yep. But uh, bison is delicious, and because they constantly walk, it's better for you than skinless chicken. Yep, they say that if you are going to eat some kind of meat, uh, you know, if you are a vegetarian, clearly that does not apply to you, but nope. if you are going to, if you do eat meat, that's probably like the healthiest you can have. So not a bad gig in any case. The, um, on it then, you know, exercise equipment, the whole range of products, uh, please check them out. And again, as usual, there are links in the episode notes to all of our sponsors, which include the third and amazing by Mr. Bennett from Sure Design, the softest t-shirts you're ever going to find, beautiful designs. Um, I Bennett was great. He sent me some stuff for Isabella, so I had Isabella decked out in she she looked like straight from like 1969 San Francisco or she something. Had a was, uh, shirt on or uh... basically she was like in full hippie regalia. So yes, hippie paradise. But not only, you know, there's a lot of other cool stuff that doesn't necessarily. I mean, if you embrace your inner hippie, so much better. But even if you don't, there's a lot of great stuff. Particularly for ladies, there are some amazing things. Yeah. Um, cool, cool dresses. Uh, yeah, no, there's uh, ch- and they change their what they offer pretty much all the time. So the designs, the kind of clothes, check it on a regular basis because there's some amazing stuff there. So thanks to all three of them. The what else do we need to mention? Amazon. If you guys shop on Amazon, please, 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 please. Use our Amazon link. This way you can support the show without really spending a dime more than you would anyway for your regular purchase on Amazon. So that would be very sweet. As usual, links in the episode notes. Um, anything else that we need to throw in right now? Just never forget keepit.org. It's a great way to help somebody else in the world out. Available loans in the United States and all over the world. Uh, just got some paid back to me, and it's always a cool thing when you get like six or seven loans going and they get enough to start another one repaid. Well, then you just repackage it and send it back out to the world for somebody else. Beautiful. And they've done some really incredible. I, I actually got to visit their, their main offices in San Francisco, and it's really amazing how they organize all the different uh, parts of the world. And even with the trouble like in Ukraine and things like that, they still are managing to get loans out to people. So good for them. Pretty fantastic. And uh, so help some folks out. Kiva.org. And that's that. Let's roll. brings us back to Genesis for some good old maid raping. An inspiring tale from the book of Genesis. I, th- I saw this listed as the, as the great baby-making contest of the Bible. Well, there are many, actually. If we want to get technical, this is one of them. And it's only part of our story. Our story will also... Yeah, there will be that. There will be some interracial love story that Excellent. leads to genocide. Uh, there's, you know, lots of goodies. Our story begins with Jacob, 
was uh, Abraham grandson and he was destined to become the third patriarch of the Jewish people when he was young he fell in love with a lady named Rachel who happened to be his cousin but again there weren't that many people around so oh well you can have sex I mean if rednecks can have sex with their cousins some ancient uh, Jewish person in the middle of the desert they're again options are limited a little wider wider than Noah and company did yeah I mean options are limited cousin now yeah so it's way removed Um, when he asked Rachel's father for her hand he was said okay but you have to give me seven years of work in exchange for her hand Jacob think she's hot enough it's all worth it so he put the seven year of work and at the end say I damn them seven years have been hard on you baby I'll be on my way <laughs> that's actually what could have happened yeah, man, because they were probably years. 12 by the time this began oh, no, we don't know okay. how old they are she's now I thought they were like 180 when this began oh yeah that's true the there's all this strange chronology but <laughs> Jacob goes to the father and say, and by the way, I don't recommend if you're planning on courting some lady, I don't plan that you use this biblical line that I'm about to quote for you guys. I don't suggest you use it when you go ask the father for the hand of the daughter. May not fly that well. Or maybe you should. Maybe you should, after all, follow the holy book in all of its components. And as such, the line that you'll have to go speak to the father of your beloved. Here we go. Here we do a reenactment. Hello. Oh, how are you, son? What can I do for you today? My seven years are up. And, sorry, let me dig out my Bible. What exactly am I supposed to? Oh, yes. Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I might go in onto her. Hmm. Good things that shotguns had not been invented, correct? That's pretty well seven years, though. You did promise. Yeah. No, that's not going to work. That's, I don't like that at all. Go in onto her. That's a little more, I mean, we all know, but you don't got to be so blunt with it. Yeah, that's almost was, a bit cruel. Well, again, seven I'd years. I'd have been so mad, I'd make him do seven more years for being such a bitch. Oh, I think you might be on to something. Well, what happened? Because, yes, it's true that the poor guy has been dreaming of this moment for the last seven years before they had dreaming access. Dreaming more of that, obviously. Before they had access to flashlights. Oh, so that's Or the internet. Then again, what do these the guys stories, do? You know, they're breaking rocks or whatever the hell they've been doing, telling stories. You know, one day after I break all these rocks, I'm going to come in on into her. How many goats? Oh. Well, I'm not going there. Okay, so I'm skipping the goat's part. Sorry, sorry, sorry. At least sorry, I get sorry. to use my goat sound effect again. <laughs> there he is. So, yeah, I'll skip the so goat's part. I got to get the smiting button yeah. ready because it sounds like it's coming. I'm sure it will happen at some point. So, <laughs> okay. Rachel Father, I'm not exactly sure why. I need to go back to the pages of the good book to figure out what's going on. But I'm guessing that he's having a hard time marrying off the older sister mm. Leah Leah so she was hated he decided uh let's just send her to Jacob to Jacob instead and you know we put a veil on her he's so horny by now that he can't see straight anyway so hopefully it's gonna work and sure enough again from the pages of the good book in Genesis and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him and he went in onto her so turns out that jacob the next morning by the time she removes her veil jacob finds out that he had sex with the wrong sister 
Ah, that old, that old, that old conundrum. Yes, that smell just like that's problematic. And Jacob is pretty pissed off by now, and he goes to the to the father, and he's like, "Hey, it's the wrong one. What the hell?" And Jacob is like, "Well, tell you what." Give me seven more years of work and I give them both to you. Okay? You can have both Leah and Rachel. So it's a deal. Somehow Jacob either really likes his work with the goats, sound effect, oh, <laughs> or yeah. something, but he accepts again and he's fine with seven more years of this. 14 years. More than twice his life, probably. I know. Either very Toiling patient away. or. Wow. I think, again, the work was its own reward. I, I go for the goat interpretation of this story, because otherwise we're missing some piece that doesn't seem to make sense. But Well, the fellas down at the rock core got smooth, nice hands. Rachel turns out that she couldn't have kids. So Of course. Jacob decides, well, we need to do something, because, you know, what's a family without a dozen kids or so? From ten different mamas. Yeah, so he decided to start having sex with some of the slave girls in order to have kids from them that then Rachel could raise as her own. Was this Rachel's idea? Um, not entirely she, clear. She's probably but in on it. Yeah, probably, because, I mean, you, unless you have kids, your kind of your status as a woman in ancient Jewish society wouldn't exactly be flourishing, so probably. Eventually, Rachel got pregnant as well, so she also had some kid between the kids from his two wives and those from the slave girls jacob eventually had 12 sons which will become the 12 uh, uh, sort of which the 12 uh, tribes of israel will be associated with so now he and his little personal tribe we fast forward in time a little bit until his kids are grown up beside all the sons turns out that jacob had a daughter named dina and um at the beginning of this part of the tale, she's visiting with some women from a foreign people. Um, the same people, incidentally, from which her father Jacob had bought some land on which they now lived. So they are living among, uh, in an area where it's mostly among foreigners. Dina is visiting with some of these people. The son of the rulers of these other people is very into Dina. She just, like, wow, she's so I'd go work 14 years for her. Yeah, he's not into that. That plan does not quite sit well with him. The whole 14-year gig is not, not, so patient. not part of his dick thing. <laughs> and he does not like goats either. So, no, it's not going to happen. So what happens is... I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, by the way, because it's something like... No, okay, I am going to try to pronounce his name. It's Shechem. Shechem. The son of Amor, the Hivite. Jesus, I mean, some of these names are troubling. Wow. So he saw her. What's up, Shisham? Good to see you. And he saw her, he took her, and lay with her, and defiled her. Now, many people always interpret this as a rape story. It sounds like rape, uh, defiling. But that's really not what it's saying explicitly. It very likely, I mean, it could be, right? You're saying she might have been down, so that makes it okay. She may have been very much down and may have been just purely a love story where they are into each other, which kind of seems like in other parts where it's hinting at that. The Bible is rather ambiguous about this part. But in from the point of view of her brothers, it doesn't really matter because... Whether, you know, if it's rape, clearly it's rape, bad, and everything else. But if instead it's a love story, and uh, it doesn't matter because they weren't given the gifts ahead of time, they had a married already, and all of that kind of stuff, so they would be pissed anyway. Now, it's pretty clear that this guy l was really into the woman. He yeah. really liked her. 
and uh, you know they say that he sold clave onto dina the daughter of jacob so you know this is not him just getting oh she's hot i want to have sex with her he's really crazy about her he's in love with her the whole thing so eventually the shechem this good which is like yeah that's a hard name to pull off when you're having sex it's like shechem you're Sure. Yeah, that sure. just doesn't work. Sure. 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 It's sort of sneezy though, so there may be like a Kegel reaction. Yeah, that just maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it was about. So he goes to his own father and say, "Please set it up. Make sure that I can marry her." So go to uh, Jacob, try to set it up. So the f- the father goes to her father to it ask says, I want for, up in her. Oh, <laughs> to ask for Dina's hand in marriage for his son. How he do? And they say, well, maybe we can have more intermarriages between your people and my people. We can become one group. You know, everybody's happy, right? Everybody wins with this, and this is the beginning of it all. Now, Jacob's sons are brooding in a corner, you know, Dina's brothers. They don't like what's going on so much. It seems like Jacob is more willing to go along with some of these, but his kids, Dina's brothers, are not. So they're either happy with the goats or they're not digging... The sisters. Something is going on there where they are not happy with this arrangement. They basically say, okay, we we are going to, sure, we can do this as long as all the men from these other people agree to become circumcised. What? And if they do that, then sure, we can all be one happy family and everything is going to work out. Well, we'll go for the circumcision, but you just got to cut down on the patchouli. Yeah. This shit reeks, man. The guys say, sure, don't worry. No we, problem. We'll do anything you want. You just chop some extra inches there of whatever flappy skin you have, cut them off, and everybody will be happy, right? What was that afternoon like? I smell a trap in this. Hell yeah. So what's going on? After they have agreed, a couple of Jacob's son, uh, Simeon and Levi, decided while everybody in the village, all the male are all like going, oh they are recovering from a circumcision done without the benefit of anesthetics or anything which i'm sure it must have been lots of fun don't even mention antibiotics yeah these guys are all sitting in their hats holding their groin complaining and barely being able to walk well simeon and levy say well these guys are incapacitated so we're gonna walk from one house to the other and kill them all and they attack the foreigners while they are recovering from the circumcision kill all the males, steal all their gold, and enslave all their women. And that is Lannister low. Yeah. Low low blow in a very literal sense in this case. Jacob is mad. He's like, what the hell did you do? You know, I I set up a peaceful deal with these other guys. Everything was going to be okay. We are still in the middle of foreigners. There are other tribes in the area. We are now could be attacked by them. What have you done? And these kids are saying basically that their action was the only legitimate course of action since the foreigners had treated their sisters like a harlot, I quote. Yeah, what the hell? That is... No, wait, let me get back into Father Bolelli role. Yeah, I would love to know the VeggieTales version of this. Yeah, I know, I know. And after they were all dead, Jacob was mad. That thing, yes. Did you, if you guys have never seen Veggie Tales, it's like one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Every time Isabella flips on Netflix and finds it, I'm like, oh, can I watch this? I'm like, no, no. That just no. She'll watch it anyway. But I, I try to the demiurge. Stay away. Yeah, it's some. But yeah, this is. Uh, 
I will file the story under mysteries of the faith in terms of if too many questions got to be asked about the meaning of this, the hidden morality in this story, what lesson does it teach us about the proper course of action that good Christians or Jews for that matter should undertake. I would take mysteries of the faith, clearly. Um, one day when God will decide that it's your time to understand the deep morality into the story, God will open your heart and let you fully understand it. Until that day come, please don't bust my balls with too many annoying questions that I can't answer, because this story, well, nothing, nothing, nothing. I was saying this story is just a glorious part of the Bible. End of it. Amen. There was a, a doctor who performed circumcisions for years and years and years and years, and he would keep all the foreskins that he would clip off and put them in little little jars of formaldehyde. And finally, after 30, 40 years, it was time for him to retire. So he collected his hundreds of little foreskins and larger ones, I guess, and took them to a leather worker and said, you know, this is my life's work. Can you work this into something for me, you know, to kind of remind me of my profession? And the guy said, ah, no problem. Come see me in two weeks. <laughs> so two weeks go by. And he goes, and the guy says, hey, here you go. And he hands him kind of a small box. And he opens up the box, and it's a wallet. And the doctor's like, wallet? This is my life's profession. And what you got to show me is a wallet? He said, yeah. But if you rub it for 15 seconds, it turns into a briefcase. Oh! That's my shitty old joke for the day. Thank you very much. Well, after some Sunday schooling like that, it's definitely time to get a, a rant underway because, uh, you know, I can feel one digging deep inside of you. But I know you were out of town, and I actually found something a couple of weeks ago, so now I have to get it to you. It is fossilized wood from South Dakota. Mm. And it's black fossilized wood. And I'm sure you've seen it over the years, and usually it looks like, you know, kind of marbly. Mm-hmm. Or, this still retains the individual cellular structure of the wood. I... So it looks like you could put it on a fire and burn it, but it's petrified. Wow, that's awesome. I shall put the gnome that you passed me last uh, winter on top of it, and uh, it shall be sitting on my nights. And it was actually pretty freaky to hear my daughter explain to a little friend of hers a year, that's my dad's gnome. I was like, oh, God, that's made me feel right. You know, that's how collections get started. If someone gets wind or your daughter's like, daddy loves gnomes. Yeah, I'll get him a gnome for Christmas and for Father's Day. And for, matter of fact, Izzy, I'm going to have to remind you of that. We have to get that started. Great. Be 10,000 gnomes in your house. Freaking gnomes. But, you know, the travelocity. Uh, gnomes, I strongly recommend them to really stare at them if you're on mushrooms. They will. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say any more than that. But speaking of the Black Hills. Yeah. I was, um, yeah, I just came back. I went for just a couple of days uh, to South Dakota, to the Black Hills, because um, they were having uh, the spreading of the ashes of Jim Weddell. If you guys uh, haven't checked that out, that was an older episode. I believe it was episode 30. I'm taking a guess here. Um, but yeah, if you check it in the episode notes, we did a whole special episode with my mom about James Weddell and his story, which is as wild, as crazy as it gets. And uh, so they invited me over to um, to go with the family and everything. We would uh, meet up in the Black Hills. We met at this place. 
Sylvan Lake, which is sort of smack in the middle of the Black Hills, right at the bottom of Harney Peak, which is one of the tallest places in uh, the western side of in the Midwest. Basically, you, you know, once you climb to the top of Harney Peak, you have a view that extends for over 100 miles in every direction. Wow, it's pretty crazy. The hike itself is awesome because you're walking through the hills. It's all ponderosa pine. It's beautiful. At the bottom, there's this lake. It's like the whole place is unreal how good it is. And so we got together and we did this. Um, we started the hike and we found this spot and it was this sort of beautiful ceremony that the family was running. You know, we had sung uh, traditional Lakota songs, which actually that was kind of funny. At one point, nobody remember what songs to sing, and my stupid Italian self ended up singing solo a cappella a traditional Lakota song in the middle of it. So that was pretty funny. Doing right a there. tape on that, I hope. No, we definitely do not. Oh. And, um, and it was, you know, all this very moving thing as you're spreading the ashes, particularly the Black Hills to him were so such an important part of his life. Uh, he was the only guy in his tribe who refused money for uh, the Black Hills that everyone else in the tribe had accepted. Now, the money, why did he refuse it? Because technically the Black Hills are considered Lakota sacred land and uh, the government had promised that they would get to keep them forever and ever and then they just blatantly broke the treaty and stole them there's just no way about it i mean supreme court the acknowledged United it States government? yeah supreme court acknowledged it they were like so sorry about that we fucked up but here is some money to make up for it and the more traditional guys are like screw your money we want the land back and so for him was always kind of a point of pride never to take the money and uh, you know other lakota tribes nobody accepted his particular division yeah there was a lot of taking the money and he was actually the only guy in the whole place not to do it so for him you know spreading his ashes in the black hills was not just a beautiful place he wasn't even just lakota sacred land it's something that to him was insanely meaningful to his very life so he was you know the whole thing was really moving was the setting was beautiful everything and it was funny because the second we finished I was like, okay, good. They turn around, pulled out two joints, started passing those. I was like, ah, I guess, sure, why not? Always time for and, peace uh, pipe, friend. Yeah, and that was that was pretty cool. And then on the way back down, it was trippy. We saw like so many deer everywhere, and this one in particular. Just let me get. I literally walked up to the deer within like fifteen feet. Wow. And he just kept checking me, like, you know, if you make the wrong move, I'm bolting. But he kept letting me get closer and closer and closer. And eventually, you know, everybody had left, so I could get closer without spooking him. He was awesome. It was just sunset. There was no one around. Just me and this deer in the hills next to the trees. And, and the wind. Basically, it was all. I mean, it was one of the scenes. It's like, how beautiful is this? It's like, what is this? Some Hollywood scene or something? It what, was, was it hard to climb back into the flotsam and jetsam of the of the civilized world, the sewer that we climb around in? Yeah, after no, that? I mean, the the scene that tripped me out in any Midwestern trip is uh, food. Is uh, I'm sure you guys love your food, but man, I'm not used to it. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I I'm not even a huge uh, salad eater, but after a few days in the Midwest, I'm like something green for a change. And you know, it's like usually it's green. There's like this one leaf that they put on top of a steak. Yeah, that's about the little the, parsley. Right? Ding. The parsley thing. So a lot of uh, elk with bacon and uh, yeah, wrapped in fried whatever the hell. And yeah. yeah, all of that. Wow. But in any case, so yeah, that was the Black Hills thing. 
on a random this is not yet well i guess it's rant. that's the beauty of the rant is that we can go in any direction we want it tumbles where it needs to go couple of random news from the world one is uh, those of you guys are wondering that was word as in w-o-r-l-d which i can't pronounce as well as many 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 other words in the english language maybe time for a pronunciation guy uh, too late for me <laughs> i think it's, it's actually been funny for the audience, the bit like oh yeah the, for her is my favorite one ever yeah the it's actually been funny to hear isabella make fun of my accent where she'll follow me and go good i'm like i hear you you little bastard you're just <laughs> making fun of me aren't you it's like, no no i'm like yeah whatever the um, couple of funky stories from the universe out there one is uh i found it very fitting uh, somebody sent me the link there's this great story about uh, the Kurds that are currently fighting with the Islamic State and uh, just know. got their damn back yeah so good for them and uh, there's this story about this one battalion that the Kurdish have put into the field that's an entirely women battalion is like every single one they are all female soldiers with their guns ready to go and uh, the idea that these guys or rather these ladies are in the front lines trying to kick some royal uh, Islamic state ass considering how misogynist and freaky the IS is I find it beautiful I mean the whole I'm just hoping that it's them who get to beat them around because it's just glorious so I read that story I was like ah this is too cool I, wow. got, to, I got to at least bring it up for one second well, I think we've always said for the Middle East to straighten out the women are gonna have to lead the way yeah, they no, got the, the, they got the show and that this is enough. Kurdish women are not fucking around. No, that's they don't put up with this bullshit. No, and definitely. They'll be happy. I mean, they're more than happy to go mow down some of these ISIS motherfuckers. Yep, precisely. It's amazing. I think I have a lot of weddings and things over the past few days, so lots of older people around. People are amazed that heads are being sawed off mm-hmm. in 2014. Yeah, I mean... But stupid dogmatic humans will be stupid dogmatic humans in old places and old times. We really haven't improved much since we crawled out of the trees. Uh, I mean, one of the things is, the thing that I don't get, like to me, the United Nations, how it should work in some random theory, is that you should have the states that actually have the money to do it to put not huge forces in the field, but forces that they only use in cases of insanity like this insanity virgin on genocide that's all you ever use them for yeah. but you freaking use them in those cases yes rwanda know? and it's dispatch right. the jenna troops yeah that work well right and um but in any case so yeah, i'll just i'll just put the focus on the kurdish women fighter because it's a beautiful story awesome. i didn't you know it's kind of terrifying too but speaking of beautiful ones, this is even better. I'm actually going to put a link to this one in the episode notes because it's as good as it. There is a video that it's, you know, I can describe as best I can, but you guys need to check it out. So here is a story of uh, some uh, little girl, probably about three years old. Uh, they say either, she was either three or four in Siberia. Um, she walks out of her house with her dog and the mom thinks that she's chasing the dad who just left and that she's just going to go off with the dad. Turns out the dad was already gone quite a bit, so no, she's not chasing her father. She's just wandering off with her little dog in Siberia. And uh, they walk off, and before you know it, it's like, oh shit, where is this girl? Well, she's now somewhere in the woods of Siberia by herself with her little dog. The search goes on for 11 days total. And they find her in a North Korean 
Slave labor camp. <laughs> no, this is a beautiful freaking story. What happens is about nine to ten days, incidentally, by the way, temperatures, even to its summer in Siberia, temperatures drop to the 40s during the night. The girl left in a tank top and she's three years old in a in forest where they are bunch of wolves, bunch of bears, bunch of everything, right? <laughs> it's like good luck with that, but do not worry, this is actually a good story. There's nothing gruesome and terrible and it actually makes me happy. So after nine to ten days, the dog comes back, comes back to the house, and everybody think if there was like a zero point zero one percent that the girl could be alive now that chance is gone because without even the dog to keep warm at least she could hug the dog at night or something she's done well the dog take them like is trying to get their attention and take the rescuers which have been looking for her everywhere and they couldn't find her lead the path to show her to show them where she is wow. by now the dog has probably figured you know one day okay we wait we wait second day we wait the third we say wait the fourth okay these motherfuckers can't find us i need to go find them and take them here so the dog goes to the rescuer find them bring them to the little girl and they show you see her in the video you see her just she's just crouching there in the grass totally quiet they give her her stuff to drink and some food and she survived for 11 days in the Siberian forest by herself with the dog, eating berries and hugging her dog for warmth at night. And not only she wasn't found by bears or wolves, which is lucky enough, but even then, I mean, could I survive 11 days by myself in a Siberian forest? Not I without my know, cell phone. Man. It's... So check out the video. It's super inspiring. It's beautiful. You wow. see this tiny little thing. You know, clearly she had lost a ton of weight. She was like 20 pounds by the time she was done. But again, she's three years old. She was probably 30 to begin with. It's How not did like... she know to even stay put when the dog left? I know. Cause... If she had just gone to chasing him. Because what I think is, in the mind of a three to four-year-old, the first few hours okay everything is new whatever you're distracted by the first night you're a little freaked out for sure by the second the third the fourth i mean how do you even stay how does a four-year-old stay sane 11 days by themselves in the, the dog, forest the dog for sure it snuzzled her up and and yeah and when you see her when you you see the video of them rescuing her she's totally mellow about it i'm sure she's also mellow she's probably by now so freaking tired and exhausted but she looks just like oh Kind of thanks you sip sip sip. Holy smokes! Beautiful story, happy, actually inspiring for a change. Yeah, what the so, world? So I love that. I had to put this in. Now, now that we're done with random news from around the world and so on, <laughs> let me just jump on, I guess, a rant topic that will kind of bring back not just in this section. I think it's gonna show up if I remember correctly from my notes in other parts of the episode. And this from uh, Kane Gomez, one of our donors. Thank you so much, by the way. Who, uh, his request is that we talk at some point about what it is to be slash become a man in today's world. Um, you know, there were clearly very clear-cut roles for what it meant to be a man in the past, which was both good and bad, because in some way the gender roles were also prisons, and they were, you know, very rigid, very structured, and anybody who doesn't fit that, bad, bad, bad. So there was a lot of crap with that, but there's also some good stuff associated with it. 
clearly today is an environment in which everything has been rediscussed this sort of open for questioning which is great but is also confuses quite a few people in terms of you know how exactly do you maintain those qualities in today's world how do you there's um i guess i would start with i don't i have no idea why i'm starting with this but it just came to mind and i was when I was thinking about this, there is one passage from Nietzsche in uh, Daza Spoke Zarathustra, the man who's on our t-shirt uh, with his surfboard. The um, good old Nietzsche write this pass. I'm just gonna quote it real quick. It's just, and by the way, this is because, uh, oh, one quick point. Every time I tell people that I really love reading Nietzsche, they read it and they want to shoot themselves because what happens is uh, there the majority of translation in the English language of Nietzsche are beyond horrible. Everything they, is nothing. No, it's not even it's the language that they put it in. It's like I read I read to Savannah the passage that I'm going to quote to you guys as it's written in two or three of the main translations and she was like, "Yeah, whatever i changed the words a little bit not even that much i just tweaked them a tiny bit and she was like god damn this is powerful this is so again sorry some of this stuff is just poorly translated and by poorly translated what i mean is that there's this very thou you shall you know very king james language that completely killed the power that nietzsche has in expressing himself it's a weird so, choice yeah, and it just doesn't work. So in this case, I completely reworked it, putting it... Well, not completely. The words are the words. I just tweak them in a way that doesn't sound like you are trying to figure out what the hell I'm saying, not only because of my accent, but because the words are so archaic and weird. This is the Bellelli wine bottle version, yeah. so that people can understand. Exactly. So from Das Boch Zarathustra, Mr. Friedrich Nietzsche. I have known noble ones who lost their highest hope. And since then they look down on all high hopes. Once, they thought of becoming heroes. But to them now, the hero is a source of shame and fear. By my love and hope, I beg you, don't throw away the hero in your soul. Maintain holy your highest hope. Jesus, man, it makes me shiver just to some of these lines. Don't throw away the hero in your soul. It's so simple and so beautiful at the same time. Man, that's powerful. Maintain holy your highest hope. You know, it just there's something glorious there about the you know everybody's born with this desire to uh, when we that's why everybody gets excited when they see the heroic figures, whether in literature, in movies, in reality. There, it's something that everybody yearns to be. You wanna be like that guy. You wanna be like that woman. And very often cynicism eventually creeps in. And not only you settle to be way less than you could have been, but, but you, you also heroes down too. exactly becomes yeah. like, well, if I can quite get there easily, then fuck you. Why are you reminding me of that? I'm just going to bring you down a little bit because. What's great about that quote is because I, when, I when I read the email, I thought there's an aura of responsibility that to be a man you have to drop on your back and carry mm -hmm. regardless and you know it's of course wildly situational yeah but at your core it's pretty obvious of this is my problem these are the things i must take care of and those little victories those little heroes are what really get everybody through the day sometimes 
Absolutely, because the key is everybody has those moments at some point in their yes. life. Some people have like a minuscule hero moment ever in their entire life. Many people have them much more. But, you know, those moments of flow, those moments where you can do no wrong and you treat people in an awesome way, they respond to you, you do something great. You know, everybody has tasted it at least in a tiny, tiny version that may have even forgotten by now, but there was that one moment. Yep. No one has them all the time take the best human on earth and they are not like that 24 7 if they are like that two hours a day that's huge that's amazing so the key is not people have them or they don't have them is everybody has them to some degree is how do you extend them how do you have them more often than you would otherwise how do you make them something that you can call upon at will rather than just being, uh, you know, sort of in random. Oh, accidentally I had, uh, got one right. Exactly. It's like, oh, cool, that felt really good. Oh, and then, good. you know. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant to do. Thank you. And, and you're in the hands of fate instead. You know, how do you cultivate that quality? And the thing is, it really is a 24-7 kind of gig because it shows up. You know, you can have the best philosophical ideas and you can be really attuned with what? that image of yourself that you want to maintain not purely as image but the person you actually want to be and then reality reminds you you know the your baby spills milks on the floor and you flip out and you throw a feet and you yell at a poor freaking baby and you're like that was not exactly an hero moment right there that's just you being a dumbass and you know, you're not about to face uh, half a million enemies with 300 Spartans. You're not about, you're not, you're dealing with a screaming child. Can we do a little better than that? You know, so take, and again, you may have, by the way, I use that example because it's a constant source of ass kicking for me because there are so many moments where, in general, I don't think I do a bad job with my daughter, but there are plenty of moments where I'm like, fuck. I could have, why did I react that way? And I don't do anything terrible, but sometimes I, when she gets me mad, I'll raise my voice or I'll be like, geez, I'll give her. And there's a way to do it that's okay and there's a way to do it that's not. And way too often I see myself reacting in a way that I see her with her big eyes looking at me like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, fuck, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm an asshole because really that was not the way to handle it. I could have communicated the message of what you can and cannot do in a much better way. And the way I did it, I was just a dick. Why was I a dick? Because I want to know, because I'm tired, because I'm exhausted, because I have a million other perfect. reasons. I mean, there's always, and there's a thousand other things, and that probably wasn't what totally set you off. It was just, of course, that was the release valve right here. But, gonna... the, but that's the problem, right? Yeah. It's like, my release valve cannot infringe on somebody else, especially somebody else that you're responsible for. You don't dump your shit on somebody else. That Unless just they not. were from Monsanto. Well, that's different, right? But Isabella has not joined Monsanto yet, no. so we. Those are crazy moments. No, I mean, and they'll sit with you too. But maybe that's an important part of it. Yeah, you I mean, know? it should be a source. You have of... a problem if it doesn't sit with you. If you have, yeah. you know, I don't remember. I've read some horror story about some child that was just terrible upbringing you know father that would beat them regularly and when it came push come to shove his brother finally went to his dad's side so that he wouldn't get beat so much yeah, yeah of course wow oh yeah i've heard those wow. stories a lot Not so i'll take care of the beatings for you daddy yeah and it just blows my mind 
No, I mean, in fact, and again, without even getting to the real drama where it's like, okay, there's some real heavy stuff, just the stuff that every single one of us deals with every yeah. day is that to me is the difference. In fact, I mean, I'm not going to use the word a man per se, because this to me is sort of gender neutral in yeah. the sense that it's more about being, uh, I, I read the a man more to be what it means to be a hell of an awesome human being, an adult, uh, your own personal hero in a way. Not necessarily hero that you're going to change the world, but in the sense that you're going to have a certain level of integrity that you carry yourself with. As well, much it's the hero poet thing again, you know, this this part of you is mm -hmm. the strong part who's the rock for the people that you're important yep. to at the moment you have to be for them. And if you're not there, and clearly there are hundreds of thousands of assholes out there who are not there. Yep. If you're not there for your fucking children, man, you should be ashamed of yourself every moment of your day. And I don't give a shit what the relationship was with the mother or how it went down. Sure. If you help bring somebody on this planet, they're yours till the end of time. And the thing is, with uh, we're using the kid example because it's the most dramatic, because this is somebody who really has no, they have no fault of their own. Yeah. It's, it's what you put into them, right? But even in other situations is there's always an excuse. You know, there's always a good reason for why you do the things you do that are less than ideal. Ah, oh, man, I'm so exhausted. Oh, man, this thing happened to me. So-and-so did that to me. I have nothing left in the gas tank. I'm so wiped out. Well, you know what? Take all those things. And yes, they are right. Pat on the back. Poor you. But at the end of the day, you still need to shove them. And do what, you know, the way I look at it, when I do those, when I have those moments where I behave in way less ideal fashion than I would like, really just I look at myself and I think just do what needs to be done, motherfucker. Nobody wants to hear your excuses. Nobody wants to hear you going, oh, but I'm, I'm entitled to feel this way and to react mad because of this and this. No, that's different. I can have reasons for feeling that way. But acting upon it, it's a whole different story. Yeah, no tantrums. If you're anything past three and there's still tantrums around, that's got to be dealt with. Yeah, or and again, maybe you keep it cool on the surface, but you are unpleasant in your tone. You are kind of edgy. You are just being like, ah, ah. that's the same shit. You know, you're just keeping a better facade, but the reality is not any different. To me, there's like, and that's, I guess, to answer the whole what it means to be a man, again, in more gender neutral fashion, but... There's a Evan Tanner thing that he said that I th find so beautiful, and I repeated in other forms myself. And I, I, by now, I don't even remember if this is an actual Tanner quote of this is how I, I played with it after hearing Tanner speak about it. But to me, in, in a way, what it's all about is that ability for you to go through hell and develop the strength that it requires to survive going through hell. And why do you do it? So that then you do have the strength to be kind in those situations where life is not particularly kind. And, you know, this is an internal battle. It's when you have your own sort of lower instincts pulling you down, making you sink to the lowest common denominator, making you be a dick, making you be all aggressive and edgy and weird. And instead, what you do is that strength right there to turn the corner, put your shit aside, and still behave like as good as a human being as you can possibly can. That, to me, is what this is all about. And again, way easier said than done. There are so many moments of the day where I'm just like, Jesus, 
man, why did I, you know, I'm so far from that. And then there are other moments where I'm like, God damn it, good for you. You did it. You know, this was the right way you approached it well. It's not a once you have it, you're done forever. It's a constant battle. It's a constant game that you play with yourself. And again, nobody's going to win them all in that sense. But back to the Nietzsche thing, the, the big point is even the times, plenty of times every day when it doesn't work that way, keeping that in mind that don't throw away the hero in your soul maintain holy your highest hope that's as good as it is should be a tattoo or something it's just amazing but yeah we shall not when your mom complains about it we shall not be responsible for the ink you put on your skin so just a disclaimer and with that out of the rant we go i have a dream today and now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. I woke up, I thought twice about what had transpired in my dream, and I just laughed my ass off for throughout the entire breakfast because it was pretty bizarre. So here is how we went. There's, it's a quick one, so there's not much to tell other than the basic elements are in, intriguing indeed. I don't know why, back from the dark ages of American politics, Miss Sarah Palin Ooh. showed up in my dreams. A scary thought, I know. And what was she doing? She was having an orgy with the Teletubbies. Yeah, the Teletubbies. If you guys have never seen the Teletubbies, please, well, don't, but Google what they are just so you can actually see the creatures that are so bizarre and disturbing and weird. I think what happened is Isabella never subjected me too long to the Teletubbies. She had like a two-week phase when she was one year old or something. And then for some reason, she discovered them again this summer, again uh -oh. for an Dangerous. hour. You know, it was one hour and then she was done, right? Because it's not the greatest thing ever. But she, so that hour, I think, played in my head so that I went to sleep. But I still saw Teletubbies everywhere with their funky names and there was a teletubby color. hating preacher wasn't it he yeah was there, one of them gay yeah yeah because Maybe one of was, the teletubbies like a pat robertson move but i can't remember yeah exactly it was who. something like that yeah because one of the teletubbies was supposed to be a boy but was wearing like i forget pink. if it was pink yeah it was probably pink and uh, had a handbag and so clearly the teletubbies were part of this gay agenda to subvert the american youth it's everywhere you look sean i know well in this case they weren't gay at all because they were having a lot of sex with sarah palin in every conceivable way so wow. all i forget how many teletubbies are there three four five something like that you so, betcha i know there was mad it was interesting now this is where it gets more interesting the door opens in the room where sarah palin and the teletubbies are having their orgy and Ann Coulter walks in with a strap on. And again, Ann Coulter, if you guys don't know, please Google because the story will make so much more sense. Think Ichabod Crane. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think Ann Coulter. I think she she fakes ninety nine percent of the stuff she says. I don't think she believes half of it. But just you know, still, her soul is forever damaged yeah, it's from the awful. I mean, vitriol. No, I mean everything she says. It's designed to be <sighs> hateful and horrible and terrible and the whole thing. But in any case, Ann Coulter walks in. And she tries to join the orgy. She figured, like, Sarah Palin gets some. I want some, too. Like, hey, Teletubbies. Yes. And, she read, and the Teletubbies just stop everything they were doing with Sarah Palin, look up, and they start running, screaming, hell no. And they all run out of the room, screaming, hell no. Now, 
I did not see this. This was actually not part of the dream, the next thing I'm going to say, but I definitely imagined it when I was uh, recounting my dream. I was imagining the orgasm counting gnome, which again, for those, I, we always assume that you guys know some of the stuff we say from previous episodes. If you guys don't know, apologies, but the orgasm counting gnome has been a recurring character It'd that should be a glossary up. at this point. I know, we seriously need it. And I would Im- I imagine the orgasm counting gnome just throwing down his bell and yelling, I didn't sign up for this shit no, and just no. walk it away. There's only so much a gnome can take. Yes, but the Teletub is running away, screaming hell no from Uncolter after having sex with Sarah Palin. Yes, that's when I officially know that I am a psychopath, but lovable. Wow. When, when, whoever's playing Fox News in your house is going to have to turn that shit off. It's clearly a danger. Yeah, seriously. I don't have anything fancy like that. I definitely gave a big old hug to Jennifer Aniston the other night. Oh. Told her I hope that things worked out for her because she just struck me as unhappy. A hug is a slang for something, or is it? No. No. Okay. That was it. Well, I was busy at the time because apparently the um, the, some city had built the Super Bowl experience up on top of some giant skyscraper, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was constructed basically out of like fencing, and people were falling through. So I was trying to address that issue. But there she was in the hallway, so I took a moment. That's disturbing a yeah. lot. Yeah. Well, not the the hug part. That's sweet. The the other one. They were falling, so we had to repair it. Yike. There's a lot going on. I found out there's a lot going on. I I give speeches at night. Really? Yeah. You should have a tape recorder. It may be time time. because I woke up in the middle of something and was like, and we cannot continue to condone this. He's like, well, what? <laughs> What the hell is going on on the other side? I often fantasize about the speech when I win the Oscars, the speech when I'm elected president of the United States. The speech. I have lots of those. They are good ones. Does the crowd look friendly? Uh, of course. And adoring. Oh, soon enough. Time for a story about Little Is. Indeed. Who'll be in college in 12 short years. Something like that, yeah. Just started kindergarten a few days ago. By the way, I had this um, not having grown up in the United States and not having anything similar in Italy. I was exposed for the first time to the Pledge of Allegiance said in school by kindergarteners. With them holding their pose? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this it was scary i was just like is this some i felt like i was among the aliens who are going to start hissing and pointing fingers because there's a clip that maybe i'll put it in the episode notes if i remember <laughs> to do it there's a glorious clip of somebody who did the parody of the pledge of allegiance where they go you know it's not creepy that little children mindlessly repeat and there's this all at the end of the pledge of allegiance they're like God bless Johnson and Johnson. God bless. You know, it goes through the list of all the various corporate. It's freaking hilarious. Well, and the under God thing was like creeped in after World War Two. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, the player of religion is like adults, whatever. You know, you choose to do it. You agree, you disagree. That whatever. I, I have not, doesn't bother me. Kids where you basically could repeat uh, Hitler is the greatest human in the world and all the kids would repeat Hitler is the greatest human in the world. You don't fucking do that. That's just wrong. You don't make kids say stuff that they don't know what it means. 
and try to instill it in their brain. But I know a lot of adults that don't know what indivisible is. So, well, of course, there's yeah. Never mind that stuff. But at least you know, we, I don't know. In any case, so that's not a that's not a normal thing throughout Europe at all. Huh? No, I mean, I think yeah. If you try to do it in Italy, everybody laugh at you or something, and no, it wouldn't work. Yeah, it's a no. Here, people take nationalism considerably more seriously. Then, um, in what way though? Just they stomp around and bitch and moan and, and complain. About no, but I mean that, that kind of thing is like in Italy, like hardcore nationalism is considered a fascist thing. Right, it's seen as because that's where it comes from in Italy. So for me, seeing it in US, I'm sure that the meanings here are different. So you know, I don't judge it through those lenses, but it still creeps me out. Still, it's, again, it creeps me out when it's with kids, not with kids. But in any case, that's my rant. I'll shut up. I won't go there. The um, couple of is a thing let's see um mm, 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 mm. recently she has uh, in addition to begin kindergarten she has discovered a new a new use for facetime the feature that um, iphones have she'll try to call everybody on my phone list with facetime so with the camera going pull down her pants point to the camera at the proper angle and laugh while showing them her ass which you know if she's doing it uh, there are not too many people on my phone list that it's probably a good idea to do that with it's like again she's calling my mom that's weird enough but you know so i'm trying to sequest i need to change password or something because she thought that showing her ass to everybody on my phone list was really funny but um and i wonder where she learned that now we're getting to the root of things yeah i don't know where have there been a lot of mooning jokes around the house maybe once or twice where could she have found out that it's funny to show your butt to people i don't know the um, holy smokes so yeah that was that the um, <laughs> i heard it's a, a new game called damage control and that you give your friend your cell phone and they can text anybody you they want to the most horrible thing. Oh, that's evil. And then you gotta fix it. No, that's just wrong. They're saying that some some games never end. Yeah, no, I'm there sure. is no fixing. No, no, that's just bad. Yeah, I don't want to play at all. Yeah, days complicated enough without Definitely. random tag uh, texts no. going to uh, your boss. Screw fixing stuff. No, 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 wrong. I've sat in this cubicle for so many years, just wondering if and when. Right. No, I, oh my God, but think, no, I really don't want to, that's just scary as a thought, yeah. but I thought it was bad enough that Isabella shows her butt to everybody, but the, um, let's see, other Isabella moment. Well, this was, man, I'm actually still floored now because she kicked my ass, metaphorically speaking, big time the other day. We are watching a Disney movie and, you know, like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with Disney screenwriters, but like every other Disney movie that feature a princess or something, they have their her parents dying horribly oh, yeah. or at parents least gonna die and you're gonna have some sort of crazy sidekick yeah a and dragon or a yeah yeah but again that may f- be stupid but i can live with yeah the um, and you know you know she watched a million of the disney stuff and she's always fine with it yesterday hit her badly or two days ago it hit her pretty badly and so she just started getting really sad started thinking about her mom started <sighs> talking and we started going, you know, usually I find ways to um, comfort her, to try to make her feel better. And she was pissed because she's like, you know, enough of this shit. It's like, I don't feel our clothes. I hear people telling me, oh, she's with you. She's not fucking with me. I want a hug. I don't, I'm not getting a hug. So what are you telling me that she's with me? I don't feel it. It's not here. 
and so she started anything i try to throw out there to console her to at least not feed her bullshit because i'm not trying to tell her stuff i don't believe but at least allowing for possibilities the fact that we don't know what it means we don't know what happens with for all i know you know it could be great it could be nothing it could be horrible nobody knows but you know i'm trying to keep it as don't view it in the darkest possible light as you are right now she wouldn't have it so eventually after try 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 and she resisted in every which way at the end i was like you know if if you want and you just want to go and if you want to cry i'll just hold you you know and i'll just hold you and that's okay if that's what you need the second i said that and kind of she felt permission to go there Boom. she was in my lap she was holding me and she started howling like she was being she was being ripped apart on the spot she was just crying like there was no tomorrow you was know, this before or after uh, kindergarten started no that was maybe a couple of weeks after i mean it was just two days ago because i think kindergarten started well, a couple i'm sure of weeks ago. all these other moms around just really has yeah, to be of course and of it was course. the cruelty of other children what do you mean you don't have no mama no of course i mean i'm sure there are that does not help when you have that going on all the time but um I mean, I guess it was good for her to get it out yeah. because it's in error anyway, so you might as well. And, you know, 10 minutes later, she was happy and she was fine. I was still, fl- I mean, I'm kind of still floor now where I've just gone through the yesterday. I was just like, hey, how are you? You know, my vibe throughout the day was just knocked out because it was so damn sad to see her with so much pain with so much and again she seemed to well she didn't get over it because of course she's gonna show up again but for the time being 10 minutes later she was watching her movie being happy laughing and playing with me and all of that leaving you wrecked on the sideline yeah man i've been like the last two days i've been just like if godzilla had just kicked me in the groin probably would feel like that just like wow big knockout so that was that but on a happier note, reaching back in uh, in a further distant past, maybe not that long, maybe if she was three years old or something, so a couple of years ago, she woke up, and the first thing she told me when I went, when she called me and I went to pick her up, she was like, when they take you to jail, I'll get you out. And I was like, well, it's real sweet that I know you have that the three-year-old uh, escape artist as my back, but really? <laughs> when they take you to jail i'll get you out where did you get that exactly it's like hey what are you thinking why are they taking me to jail who's taking me to jail and what the hell but yes thank you for getting me out that's really sweet the fact that that's what my daughters think about me i'm not sure if it's a source of pride or what but it was bizarre holy smokes did yeah. you ever find out what you were going to jail for no i did not i don't think explanations are needed it's like well look at you <laughs> look at every at the word you're going to jail that just yeah that makes it pretty simple yep so but again it's good to know that she's in ninja training to get me out well once they get worried about your uh anti uh, statue of liberty leanings uh it's gonna be trouble indeed that may be prob- well yeah we've already if we go through the list of people who offend on any given episode today we already got on the wrong side of isis which yeah. are not the kind of people that you want to piss off apparently. no they are the kind of people i want to piss off well yeah they care do, for them less than anybody probably and um i tell you what's crazy that whole story is that collection of iraqi christians talk about oh, just yeah, yeah, dealt course. a difficult hand at the yeah. very best 
Good but luck, I also saw somewhere, and I'm gonna have to search it up, maybe for a different Sunday school. But uh, or, or actually, in the Quran, Muhammad is tells that they're supposed to protect the Christians and live amongst them. In one passage, yeah, and in another passage, say not so nice things. Why? Why? What's with all the flippity floppity? And uh, so that's where you decide which one you wanna follow. It gets complicated. I'm guessing the ISIS folks aren't leaning that way. Nah, yeah, I think they go for the other passages. All right, Islamic State. Blah. On that note, um, I guess that's it. Fatwa on us. All right, it's time to zip open the digital manual bag and see what sort of quandaries and questions we have from you, our delightful listeners. Let's do that. Um, one. I screwed up. I forgot to ask me this question, so sorry. I have no name. It's a nameless question. A mystery question. um, One question was about what I am most proud of. And clearly, you know, this is one of those questions that you can give a different answer every time they ask you that question, because I'm sure there are many moments in your life where you're like, well, that's really important, and I'm proud of that. But I'm probably ever-shifting, too. Exactly. You, you know, and, and there are there's no one thing that you are most proud of. There's a, There are several, hopefully, <laughs> that you, where you feel good about. Oddly enough, one that came to my mind, because I figure, okay, I can't I can go in a 50 things rant here. Let's pick one thing randomly out of that list. And one thing that came to mind was um, that I don't really think about all that often, but it's still when I when it came back to mind, I'm like, damn, that was important. That was a thing that I've done that I feel really good about. There were two cases of uh, playing a role into making sure that a girl wouldn't get raped. And uh, it happened twice, which when I think about it, I'm like, damn, that's a lot, I guess. The, um, but it, probably not. Probably it happens all the time because they're just it's so damn prevalent. But um, one, you know, one of the occasions I play a very indirect role. So yes, I I'm happy of having played a role, but it's sort of indirect. I was teaching. I think it was quite a while ago. I was teaching at UCLA a UCLA course about uh, martial arts as a kind of a theory of martial arts and history and stuff. And then we would do some uh, practice and it was fun. But, you know, all in all, in a quarter, the last 10 weeks in which you have a lot of theory, the practice was so realistically, we probably had maybe 10 hours of practice. Not exactly what the la- I mean, unless you have the matrix, uh, I know Kung Fu thing. <laughs> that's not exactly what allow you to master much. I'm, I'm fearful that the millennials think all that's real. Yeah, well, maybe it will be one day. Who knows? The, um, and what happened was, like a few months later, I got this email from um, a young woman who was in the class who said, oh man, you don't know it, but you have no idea how much you helped me. And I'm like, please do tell what happened. And she said, well, right after that uh, quarter, I went off uh, for study abroad and I was in this place uh, in Europe and basically some guy tried to rape me. And it's not that I remember any technique because clearly, you know, in 10 hours of practice spread over 10 weeks, what the hell are you? You're not gonna learn much at all. But elbow to, to throat came to mind at the right moment. Yeah, and again, I don't even think it was one particular thing. It was the fact that by having her spar, which is something that, you know, she had never grappled with anybody or have somebody throw punches at her or something. 
just having the experience of sparring in a controlled environment so of having resistance to force he said that was huge because it allowed her to react and again probably not in the most martial appropriate way with great technique or everything but communicating the vibe that she was not going to be a completely easy target and you know the reality is that a lot of people again if this guy would have been the hardcore tough uh, i'm gonna rape you no matter what he probably could have done it anyway but like many of these situations this was a oh shit this is gonna be way more difficult than i thought forget it i'm out of here and so the fact that when i think about you know everything i taught in college to anybody is there anything that i've ever done that had more of an impact on somebody's life than that thing that i ever taught in my teaching career not really I mean, I'm sure I could have, somebody could have got some cool ideas from a lecture or somebody said, oh man, that really gave me good insight. That's great and all. But I got three Jeopardy questions right because of Bellelli's teaching. So. You know, exactly. It's like, that's nice, but whatever, <laughs> you know, is the, this makes a hell of a difference in somebody's life. I can't claim credit because it's not me, right? I mean, she's the one who reacted. She's the one who did it. But the fact that I kind of planted a seed there that then she used to uh, be able to do what was needed in that situation, not to end up as the victim of rape, that makes me really freaking happy. Story number two on this was actually quite a few years before that. This was uh, still a teenager in Italy. I was probably 16 or 17. And uh, I was at a party and I was thinking the hell am i doing here i don't even like it i always felt a lot of parties i feel weird about because in most situations you can't really have kind of good conversation with people it's just you're getting drunk you're getting there's the occasional time where it's really awesome fun and there's a bunch of time where i'm like eh, the fuck i would be much happier just sitting on top of a mountain among the trees i would be considerably happier than this in any case that was one of those where i'm like why am i here this is bullshit i don't feel like being here there was this um, one, uh, she was also about 16 or 17. She, she had gotten horrendously drunk. She was really hot. And uh, I guess there were a couple of people who decided, hmm, this is uh, right precisely, which is as disgusting of a thing as anybody can ever do and it's so damn prevalent i mean that's sort of the number one thing of it seems impossible for me to you know what sort of pleasure could you actually i don't even want to i don't even want to try to get into that yeah, head because it it's doesn't just make so... any sense at all but um you know what you get there and it's so common right it's the typical thing of girl drinks too much semi passed out not fully there and easily raped right so that was basically where it was going and so i remember i was like i just i because i was kind of a wimp you know i wasn't i hadn't done martial arts extensively i was sort of on the smaller end physically i was sort of wimpy so i wasn't like about to just go in and beat up these guys and do some heroic big it wasn't like that i wish i i mean actually let's we can tell it that way if yeah, you like cut everything i've right. said so far let's go back Rewind, and it's here like, we go. okay so, I so you heard this, a scream from the other corner yeah of the and house. i jump with a flying kick and i knock his head up. no it wasn't like that so i just walk in and i just grab the girl and sort of picked her up and just he completely ignored these guys and just walked there outside and they were like oh what the fuck i'm just like didn't even look at them just grabbed her and walk out 
And I basically just made her walk around the block over and over, kind of holding her because every three steps she would stop to throw up or something, hold their hair, do all the fun stuff right there where you're like, why the fuck am I here? But at the same time, you're like, well, it needs to be done. That's what's that's what needs to be done. And that's where it's at. So it was, again, not a glamorous hero moment where I'm like, yay, that was so cool. It wasn't really cool in many ways, but at the same time I felt Again, I felt like it may have not been much of an act on my part. It didn't require any great skill or any great anything. But you sure made her life a lot better. That's my. That's where I'm like, but damn, what would have been had I not done that silly little tiny thing, you know, and spend an hour with her walking around and help her throw up, staying out of that place and all of that. So that's when I... What it boils down to when it comes to the question, you know, in terms of pride, you think about difference you have made in somebody's life. And of course, you know, you can go the easy route and go family and people who are really close to you that you have a million interactions with. These are, of course, people that you probably make a deeper. It's kind of a given that you're going to have an impact on some of these people. So I was thinking about impact that I may have had on others who are not so close to me. And again, all the other stuff is more in the mind, is more theories, more somebody got a cool idea, somebody got as that's great and all. But these, to me, is as real as it gets. So. Well, you also got to hope that maybe those drunken goons, they made them think twice, or maybe one of them at least. Well, I don't know. That I'm not so sure about that. I wish I could rewind and go back and just beat the hell out of them. I would have been considerably happier and would have a better story to tell. But, um, but yeah that at least there was something going with the most important part which is make sure that she was okay yeah the other part would have been fun more for me than anything else but just pummel them my that would have given me great satisfaction well that was a happy tale yeah so today is happy day we have a happy siberian girl surviving for days in the forest we have so oh nothing but positivity for you guys ah I think we did a Bible story at some point. It'll be time, but I think it already happened. It already happened in the space continuum in which we're because clearly That's we're right. recording How our segments. The multiverse, you know, as I was as watching the the ocean waves crash against the shore today. Mm-hmm. If every molecule has its own multiverse, just the splashing of those waves would create a kaleidoscope of other universes times the ocean. Wow. I am lost already, but I like it. Welcome back to Storytime, everybody. Brought to you by your friends at Sure Design T-shirts, featuring awesome cannabis designs right now, from White Widow to Miami Wowie to Colombiana Gold. Acapulco gold. Acapulco gold. gold. It's Colombian. Uh, I so think it's gold too. I think they don't have much. Fan. That's one of the things with weird names. Lacking fantasy, man. There's so much. If somebody put me in charge of creating the names for weird strains, I would be very happy. Yeah. Because most like of the green names crack. Are, that's terrible and boring. It's a horrible name. And they lack poetry. Weird names should be haikus. They should be these tiny drops of poetry that you throw in there. Well, we did get some in San Francisco. It was called. Shark bite, B Y T E. Okay, that's a Silicon Valley joke. At least is better than like I don't know, Tahoe G or something, <laughs> which is like whatever. What do I, it's like, 
That doesn't they were worried about getting caught back then. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Romanticism. After watching The Hobbit once way too many times and having way too many joints, I wanted to name a strain high as a hobbit. I thought that was beautiful because you know how the hobbits in Lord of the Rings they smoke that pipe and it's then they get munchies. What they caused it, yeah. They get munchies and they laugh like crazy. I'm like, the hobbits mm. are as high as can be. This is awesome. Did you see Sarah Silverman got caught with her vape pen on the red carpet last night for the Emmy Awards? Really? Yeah. They were going through a purse and ding ding ding. Why did they go through a purse? No, like on air. Like they were they were doing fingernails and clutch cam and this sort of stuff as they were and uh yeah, right there was her vape. Nice, 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 nice. It's free out here in California. Not free money wise, but you no. know, at least people aren't being arrested for silly, stupid shit anymore. Yeah, indeed. Oh, speaking of which, by the way, a friend of mine just opened if you guys are in San Diego, a friend of mine opened a glorious medical marijuana place. I'll um Let the healing begin. I love the name too. He called it Marley Dream. As in, you know, can you imagine that somebody told Bob Marley that there would be stores where you can legally buy weed uh, in uh, within the United States at some point? So Marley Dream is a great name. Somewhere in San Diego. So I guess those of you guys who are medical marijuana customers and you know the goods looking through weed maps or whatever else there is, yeah, support the good man. He's a nice guy. And if you need a nice new T-shirt, support our friend Bennett and go check out Sure Design T-shirts because happy nipples make a happy world. Most definitely. I don't know if this guy is exactly happy nipples, the one who are going to be talking about today. He's a curious character. My friend uh, Federico from Italy um, alerted me to the story. There are some great articles wrote about this dude. There's one by Vice that's really well written. Uh, this guy is uh, named Jack Churchill. Not, you know, it's a World War II story, but not that Churchill, the oh, leader of the free world. I'm a, you know, not that Churchill, way more fun. Uh, even though Churchill was wide themselves, they say that, you know, most of his uh, planning and things was always done by starting breakfast with whiskey and he would keep drinking the entire day, which makes you wonder, wow, really? You played that big of a role in history being basically a raging alcoholic. That's kind of interesting. I heard he got an argument with a woman one time and told her, Madam, because she said, you're drunk, Mr. Churchill. He said, Madam, tomorrow I will be sober. You, however, will still be ugly. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome if that's true. Yeah, and if it's not, it should be, because that's fun. But this isn't that Churchill. No. Who also said the Americans can be counted upon to do the right thing as a last resort. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, his pal, his cousin Chuck. Yeah, some uh, Jack Churchill, unrelated, but British guy in World War II. And his story is uh, pretty much as wild as it gets in terms of... This is not even a war story. This is an insanity story. This is a guy who, you know, he... Uh, went to war as an officer in World War II and he carried a longbow, which who the hell goes with bow and arrows in World War II. He wore a kilt too. And the Scottish sword. And he, and he always regularly brought his bagpipes with him because, you know, war is no war without bagpipes. Absolutely. The guy clearly was peculiar, shall we say, used that word. He was slightly eccentric, you may say. And some of the stuff he did is clearly a dude who was like playing a game in the middle of World War II. So, I mean, in some ways, funny, in some ways, completely insane, in some ways, all of the above. 
uh, and saying that's been uh, attributed to him is uh, any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed which again is like yes if you were in the 1500s maybe but in the middle of world war Two. yeah tanks don't usually react to swords too well no there's one story which during a raid in 1940 on german positions in france he you know they are sneaking up on the germans and he starts the raid by shooting a german officer in the chest with a barbed arrow which incidentally is the last officially recorded bow and arrow killing in a warfare done by an army and uh you know he would in other occasions he would just charge into battle playing his bagpipes throwing grenade and running with sword in hand as soon as he was done playing his bagpipes there's a tale in which he he goes from position to position of german sentinels and you know two at a time with his sword in hand managed to capture 40 of them and uh, will be rewarded greatly for his courage again yeah that's in I don't know if it counts as courage if you're insane, but you know, whatever that is. But he, um, <laughs> there's another story of him going off and in the middle of battle again, he's playing his bagpipes because running in and Germans start killing everyone around him and he keeps charging forward, playing his bagpipes. And eventually they knock him out with a blast. And when he comes to, you know, the Germans, after they ask, you know, a couple of things of the guy, they think he's related to Churchill, so they were about to kill him, but they're like, oh, I guess not. Let's just send him to uh, Berlin just to in- for interrogation in case he has. Yeah, the bagpipe had, had messed with their brains. Yeah, totally. Somehow I mean, the, the waves of it had. I mean, what do you think if you are a German in World War Two and you see from the other end some dudes start playing bagpipes, pull out a giant sword and scream and charge at you? I think the other guys with the machine guns are a little more of a concern at that moment. They are, but at the same time, it makes you it makes you stop for two seconds where you go, "What the hell is that?" You know, Gunter, what, what? what? Yeah, that's just scary on many levels. Now he got <laughs> so he got thrown into a concentration camp oh. after being captured escaped, was busted again, sent to a different concentration camp. Eventually, when uh, the tide of the war was turning and they were, uh, the Germans just left and kind of left them there, so he was able to free himself by that point. The the guy, I mean, clearly there's an element that's disturbing this story. There's a, a story that they tell about him because he was sent eventually also to fight in the Pacific. So he managed to do Europe and the Pacific, but he arrived in the Pacific at the very end of the war, didn't get to fight. He was all mad about it. Uh, the quote attributed to him is, if he wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have kept the war going another 10 years because he was happy about it. And, you know, as weird and demented as this sound, I've heard so many quotes of people from World War One, from uh, wars between American Indians and the United States, from some of these guys who just dig it, you know, which is weird, right? Because war is hell on so many levels for the majority of people involved. No, you're absolutely right, though. There are folks that just would rather be in the midst of that insanity. Yeah. Because they feel more alive than they ever do. Exactly. So the guy was like, oh, man, it ended already. Come on. <sighs> I was just having so much fun. They're not even going to get Korea started for at least six years. Yeah, he was bummed out. So, you know, and and the fact that, again, even in ordinary life, not just in a war situation, the guy had his issues. Like, they say that uh, when he was riding the train on a regular basis... High on cocaine? High on cocaine. (laughs) Casey Jones, please. Yeah, Grateful Dead quotation. Sorry. um, They were... uh, He would pull down the window of the train 
and uh, as the train was getting closer to the station he would regularly grab his bag and toss it from the window because he was aiming for his garden for as since the train would pass by his house he would toss it to make sure that his bag would land in his backyard so that by the time he arrived at the station and he would have to walk back home he wouldn't have to carry his bag so uh, yeah that guy uh, why a movie hasn't been made about him i don't know that just maybe because they don't know what to make of him you don't know whether to make him into a hero or a villain or something because he's not entirely clear what i feel like john milius can make something out of it. yeah of course well john milius can make yeah. a movie about an ant and i would watch it and be happy but yeah so, so this is the highly bizarre story of mr jack churchill uh a man slightly enamored with the romanticism of warfare and you know it's easy to be enamored when you are in an armchair and you're bizarre and whatever but when you actually are in the middle and you see the real thing and you somehow manage to keep the romanticism anyway you're so crazy that i don't even know what to make of that no it's tough to tough to ponder for sure yeah indeed war is bad y'all yeah not for jack churchill apparently no or if you have stock of mcdonald douglas correct that funky music means it's time for the end of the show we made it through another one everybody this is the end of year two unbelievable how time flies i guess seeing uh, all these crazy folks i went to some weddings up in san francisco which was why i was right next door to the earthquake mm. which literally knocked us awake yeah that's not fun this that's... crazy thing where i would love to have known what happened the three seconds before everybody was instantaneously awake at the same time yeah because that's... of shit was moving at that point and then it kind of subsided a little, and then it kind of shot up again. And you're like, uh-oh, no, I, I was headed for the window, and then it kind of died out. But wow, Mother Nature, you are awesome, and um, we bow to your um, awesomeness. Yeah, not a good feeling, though, that's for sure. It was kind of amazing, you know, just knowing, you know, how much worse it could have been. And as close as we were, we really kind of felt it. No, I bet. But, yeah, spooky. Um, so we're glad that um, not a lot of folks were hurt. It could have been a lot worse. And now we just put the big one a little further down the calendar. Uh, I don't want to think about it. Um, <laughs> Closing it up. On better notes, the, let's screw up some people. Last name, those sweet soul who decided to give us money for something that we give out for free. That is so cool. It's cool that, I mean, it's a strange mechanism, right? We put a bunch of work to produce free content and some of you guys decide to throw us money as a wow that's a sweet exchange i would say it's a pretty pretty awesome way you know yeah I, I, back when the um when the guys uh from radiohead tried it it ended up pretty good yeah i mean they yeah. made more than they had ever made with a record company that's for sure by a mile i would like i would like to play the radiohead game let's do that there we go well start botchering let the pottering begin. Let's do it. So, this month, thank you to Mark Seeley, Rotana Young, Desmond Colton, who's one of our most, I think he was the very first to sign up for recurrent donations every month, Adam Hatchell, something like that, 
Oh, uh, from Norway. I do not know how to pronounce your name. Is there a unlat? No, there's Jarl. Nice. I'm Got guessing Jarl. Amot, double A. Double A, I don't know how to do it. Amot, I don't know. Sorry, man. Well, thank you. James Peak, Paul Kuzemetsky. That's pretty wild. That's right, pretty nice. And yes, thank you guys to everybody. That's very sweet. Um, if you are in the market for the shirts, uh, beside the you know typical uh, shirt design T-shirts that are awesome, the, if you want any of our shirts, whether the old one, which is the logo of the Drunken Taoist, or the new one, the whole Dionysian Paradise Parade scene with with, with Nietzsche wearing the old shirt. Yeah, since we are mentioning, oh yeah, that's a glorious little quotation within it, yes, where yes. you have, uh, if you really look closely, you'll see that the figure of Friedrich Nietzsche was buried in there somewhere, carrying his surfboard, so a happy version of Nietzsche. He's actually wearing the old T-shirt with the logo. Oh my God, that is so beautiful, I can cry. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I want to do at some point, maybe in a few months, do a, a few shirts only on special order that will not keep in stock there will be some scenes from the giant clusterfuck that's the Dionysian parade will just isolate some scenes so I definitely want a happy Nietzsche shirt you can't do the Buddha getting killed yeah definitely kill the Buddha you that's, gotta do Ganesh in the cloud of, of Shiva yeah, that's there, awesome there's a lot of but maybe maybe you know for the for the Nietzsche one it's like your five favorite quotes exactly on the back exactly something like that so we'll, we'll play with that but um, that's in the future for now again the logo if you wanna you know the logo is a tribute to multitasking since anybody who can kiss a hot woman drink wine and kick some bad guy in the balls all at the same time that's it's an ode to multitasking taking care of business i got some really strange looks from the moms at my daughter's kindergarten when i went to pick her up with those t-shirts but I interpreted to mean that they just really secretly all want to do me. That's what it's all about. I think that's exactly it. They're really going to love your Maui Waui shirt when you bring that in. Yeah, I've done that already, and uh, I don't think they noticed that one. It's a little more subtle. But um, the, um, <laughs> So, yeah, if you guys want T-shirts, um, the uh, link is in the episode notes for ordering them. And if you guys order from not from within the UNES, uh, please check that the price is different. It is there in the link, but please check so that I don't have to hound you down and I don't know if you want refunds or if you want instead to pay the extra money for a post international postage. But yeah, if you can check, that would be sweet. Other things that we need to mention are affiliate sponsor. If you guys want chocolate for sort of fancier, healthier chocolate for gifts or for yourself because you deserve it. Kurakao chocolate, there's a link right there, and if you use it, you get a discount. Or audible.com for audiobooks, for articles, for audio archives. There's a mountain of material in there. If you want to check it out, you can check it out for free for a month by using our code, and then you get to decide whether you want to do it every month or not. Other oh, of course, big thank you to Daisy House for letting us use their awesome music. I seriously still never get tired of it. I really like that. They did an amazing it's job. It's very with groovy. That. I love how it's sort of like internationally vague too. Yeah, it has uh, has sort of an Asian feel, but it also has that sort of Irish thing going. I think they did a great job because they are the original song as uh, lyrics, yeah, which are great. I mean, it sounds great. The voice is beautiful and everything, but it fits more for it identifies it a little more by doing an instrumental version is perfect for our purposes. So we love that. Um, I know that there's something else that the second we're going to wrap up, I'm going to say 
damn it, I can't believe we didn't put that in there. There was something else we had to say. Well, I'll give you a second to think about it because I, I saw something kind of awesome on the way down. There was a giant billboard, and on the billboard it said, Hug Longer. I like that. Which, you know? unless you're the creepy back rub guy in some office. Okay, yes, that's less pleasant. But overall, for like friendly family hugs and things like that, or people you, you enjoy being hugged by, I think that's an excellent notion. So give that extra two seconds. I think with that suggestion, that take care of business, because that's what better note to end with. Uh, and you were going to say, remember who you show your butt in front of, because you never know who's going to. Yeah, that's. So sparing with the, with the moon in y'all, as much fun as it is. Indeed. You guys have a wonderful day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo cazzo, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> <laughs> This was great, it's fucking awesome. Get back to work!